What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league, or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. It's that time of year again, and we all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket, and we all deserve to have a little fun. The only place you're guaranteed to get all three is at MyBookie. They're the only sportsbook that doesn't care whether you're naughty or nice this year. They got gifts for everyone. Best NFL, NBA, all your favorite college sports, and more. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer, a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's a great place to start. But we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And at MyBookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. It's simple. Sign up. Enter promo code 3YARDS. That's the word, 3YARDS. And get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. Head over to MyBookie to make the most of this holiday this year. And start into 2021 with cash in your pocket. This winter, bet with the best. Bet with MyBookie. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. Miami has the Dolphins. And we're on it. Welcome to another victorious edition of Three Yards Per Carry. It's going to be a habit. That's eight in 12 weeks, so that's good. And I have Simon Clancy here. I have Chris Kaufman here. The band is back together after a couple of weeks. Simon, the last podcast I did with Chris, would you be surprised to learn that he did not know what ball toner was? Do you know what ball toner is? Has he been paying any attention? during? Evidently not, because I had to explain it to him for about five minutes to start the last show. I'm so disappointed. No, I want to see if he knows what it is before I say anything else. But who, you or me? You. I know what ball. I've got it upstairs. Have you used it? Uh, I haven't, but I tell you what, I have used about three quarters of a bottle of the other one. The ball deodorant. Ball deodorant. That's absolutely fantastic. So what does the ball toner do? It tones your balls. It's like a workout. It tightens up, yes. Tightens up the skin, mate. It's it's like preparation B. It it, it tightens up your ball sack. Yeah, that's what I just said. <laughs> Tighten your skin up so you look like some ninety-five-year-old geriatric Floridian who's been in the sun for seventy-eight years of his life. Yeah, but it does it to your balls. <laughs> yeah, but nobody wants a sagging sack. <laughs> Least of all me. <laughs> These are the important like, things people are tuning in for. It's like the pool treatment, but for your balls. Yes. Yeah, but you treat the pool why? Because you can go and play in it. No, no, no. I mean, it, like, I mean, like when you go in the pool and you get shrinkage. Oh, okay. Yeah, but not everybody owns a pool, Chris. This is a way. Okay, so, to own so a pool, instead of a pool, you can get ball toner. Yes. I went out on my bike. Uh, I just bought. I just spent a shit loads of money on a really expensive road bike. And I went out on it tonight for the second time, and it's minus three here. Oh, and I'm out for about two hours. 
And when I got back in, my balls were about the size of um, a, a child's. <laughs> not, not I look at child's balls, but I was guessing. It looked like a small hedgehog. Like two raisins. Without any hair, a bald hedgehog. A bald hedgehog, a bald baby hedgehog hoarding two raisins. That's what it is. <laughs> I do hope the Dolphins um, press office tune in for this. because, Yeah, yes. because they, we wouldn't want them to miss really descriptive. Uh... Some of the, this is some of the Rants greatest Miami balls. Dolphins content has ever been. That's and it. that, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is your Manscaped ad. Use five RSN for twenty percent off. It's almost Christmas, so you know what to do. If for no other reason than to try out the ball toner, exactly. All right, kind of some breaking news. I guess we're recording. It's you know it's Monday night. It's seven p.m. So it's it is breaking news. It's breaking within the last fifteen minutes. But from all those melees and all those punches thrown, or shoves really sean williams is the only one suspended surprised simon i am a bit actually i thought Devonte parker might get um suspended again um I, I thought it was pretty i mean you know watching b flow march three quarters of the way over the field was one of the great moments of miami dolphins history quite frankly uh, yeah. you know i mean i would not even if you're like you know if you're a defensive tackle or the meanest of mean players you know if, imagine if um ray maluaga was still playing for the bengals i would not <laughs> if i was ray maluaga who was hard as nails i would not want to be taken on b flow especially with three quarters of the field to march over and you know a bit of emphasis building up I even through the mask that, you could just yeah. like feel the heat yeah. coming off them there's Absolutely. been moments I, there's been moments at training camp where i walked past uh well not this past year but the year before i walked past brian flores and like he was getting into it and i was looking for rocks to hide under and he wasn't screaming at me okay mm. so yeah he's a tough guy like he doesn't give a crap am, you know who he's talking to i was semi-surprised that Devonte didn't get a game i thought mac hollins might have done and austin jackson austin jackson got into it a little bit i think that mm. I think the reason why Devontae was quite surprising was because he was involved in the co- in the coach that, that hit the deck. Um, and although he didn't seem to hit, strike him and hit him to the floor, he was kind of involved in that that melee. And it had been going off a bit with Devontae and, um, and Will Jackson, just two good players, you know, getting into it a little bit. But it, it got a little bit chippy. Um, so I was semi-surprised. You know, I was amazed that, the, that Howard and Boyd got whacked. I mean, that was a, I didn't see that at all. But yeah, um, that was that think... was ridiculous. There yeah, was, that was ridiculous. Yeah, there was nothing there. But I wasn't that surprised that Devontae did not get suspended because I realized that that coach hit the deck. But and a coach, a coach, especially in a situation like that where you know there's there's sort of a a, a fight breaking out or a um, you know players are coming in and stuff like that. Coaches aren't really protected the same way officials are. If, if an official hit the deck, then heaven help Devontae Parker. He, you know, because the NFL will come down on him like a pile of bricks. Mm-hmm. But it, a coach is not protected in the same way at all, like any more than a player, really. And, and the coach basically inserted himself. Um, and so so I, I just thought it was it was all just part of it. And, and there was nothing that looked that egregious. You know, he was responding. Somebody was, you know, throwing open hands at him. He was throwing open hands back. I, you know, I just, I thought, I thought fines. I didn't think any suspensions. I just think it just didn't seem like a suspension situation to me. Do you remember when we drafted um, Charles Harris instead of TJ Watt? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just made a ridiculous play at the goal line. A Washington touchdown. Oh no, out of bounds. Um, he's Charles just Harris has? Play. No, God. TJ <laughs> <laughs> Watt, yeah, again. Did you see the, um, speaking of um, striking officials, did you see that high school game in Texas? Yes, I did. The guy runs off yeah. the sideline and hits uh, an official. That was astonishing. Evidently yeah. a really good player, though. Like, Yeah, apparently absolutely yeah. fantastic. But um, yeah. it's not, apparently it's not the first time, though, either. Apparently he got, he got banned from... Uh, from soccer for doing something similar so oh really i'm not sure how many not sure how many extra chances that kid's gonna get yeah he's that's that's really that's really gonna hurt i mean i was involved I, in a i was involved in a in a high school game where a bunch of my teammates got into it with uh, a bunch of the other teams and one official inserted himself and one player on our team actually slugged the the official Ooh. and the guy was a junior have- and he was banned 
from all uh, organized wow. sports for high school for the remaining of his I, career. Was this leather helmets though? Yeah, back then we no, we didn't use helmets back then. <laughs> back then we didn't use helmets. Yeah, that kid that kid got arrested, didn't he? And uh, and charged. Did he? I mean, yeah, um, he got arrested. I didn't. I didn't think that should happen. I didn't. I, no, I didn't. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think you can run onto the. Ah, I don't know. I don't think you can run thirty yards onto the field and take out the referee, <laughs> who was then taken to hospital for a serious concussion as well. Oh, was it yeah, really? Yeah, I think that yeah. matters too. I think that matters I mean, too. He, yeah, because uh, he's, he so, he's only being charged with, I think, misdemeanor assault, which I know, I know people are saying only, but yeah, misdemeanor assault, I think it's a pretty hefty fine. He and, didn't bump into him either. He lifted him off his feet. No, he, and it's like, a, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of community service and probation, I guess, a minor probation, but yeah. there is no jail time attached to this. I think but the bigger think effect will be his. What if, I, you know, if the official has a serious concussion? You know what I mean? Yeah, but also the, for the kid, you know, who's going to sign that kid now? You know, mm-hmm. Cincinnati, better defensive Bengals. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, collegiately, you know, who's yeah. going to? You're looking maybe a D two school, but almost certainly a community. What was what's, what's Urban Meyer? Chance, you? Urban Meyer have a job anywhere now or no? Oh, well, there was a rumor about Texas Urban Meyer, wasn't there? He was spotted in in Texas the other day. Uh, he'll do it in a uh, second. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we know his last chance. Too. You, he'll have to be at last oh, yeah. chance. You, I yeah, think that's that's his route. It's interesting. Uh, everything that went on yesterday in that game, Michael Thomas then takes to Instagram to start trolling Miami fans. Like, really? Oh and, man! And then Zach Taylor gets on his press conference and says both hits were legal, and that that they were going to argue to the NFL that both hits were legal. And and I'm thinking to myself, that's that's such horseshit. Is this guy? Is this guy like? What's wrong with him? What's wrong with this guy? Neither hit was legal. Well, no, of course not. Neither hit was legal. No, I was explaining to it on on Twitter. Okay, and I was on I was on the three yards per carry account, and I was arguing with some guy, and I was telling him, "Look, in uh, 2019, of you were. <laughs> yes, it's it's my job, all right." And 2019, I was at Dolphin Camp, and nobody wants to go to the officials, you know, seminar. But they had the head of officials there. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to go. It's probably going to be worth my while. So I went to the official seminar. And there was all the, the big names were there. Adam Beasley, Armando Salguero, Omar Kelly. Okay. Uh, I Actually, Albert Breer was sitting like right next to me. And they were explaining all the rules. And they explicitly said, you expose the crown of your helmet before making contact it doesn't matter that you don't use your helmet that can be flagged and that's exactly what happened this guy dropped his head on the first one five yards before making contact then of course blasts jakeem grant and does actually hit him with the shoulder right to the chin and then you know zach taylor's gonna get on the next day in the press conference and said both hits were legal like what's wrong with him especially so so the first hit, the first hit, i i understand that some people might still be acquainting themselves with the uh, the the new rule interpretations um, that have happened over the last couple of years. But the second one, on what planet is the second one legal? <laughs> on what yes. planet is that not kick uh, or catch interference? Yeah, what? I, I like there's know. nothing legal about that. I mean, he never looks back for the ball when he gets there about twenty minutes before um before <laughs> yeah. the ball arrives. Yeah, Part I'd hate to blame. I'd hate to blame the victim here, but Jakeem, it'd be nice if you started like you know calling for fair catches. <laughs> I thought I thought he was pissed. I thought Mike Thomas was getting pissed because he wouldn't call fair catch. <laughs> like, like he was getting there, and as a gunner, you're like, you know, if I beat these blocks and get there, you know, I want I want this guy to call a fair catch, or or I'm gonna blast him. Yeah, and um, and I I kind of thought that like you know he was getting there, and Jakeem because it happened a few times even before yes. the, the two plays in question, like, and it's like, this dude, this motherfucker is not calling a fair catch. You know, what's, what's going on. So I, th- I thought he just got into a mentality because Jakeem was refusing to call fair catches. And uh, it, boy, he was, he, he was tempting fate. Uh, Jakeem was, but, um, but yeah. <laughs> and then he, and then he just went, went for it. Like he went fully for it and it just, you know, it was totally illegal. There's no way. I'm surprised he didn't, he didn't get suspended to be honest, like two twice in a row. Like there's one time. Okay. 
but then the second time no and it gets gets better it gets better starts to rise to a level he does it the first time normally you would see a coach like maybe even bench him for a series or two you know on special teams Mm -hmm. because he plays mostly special teams but no zach taylor didn't do that zach taylor put him out there to cover the next punt right Mm-hmm. And then put him on offense. He finished the game as a slot receiver, like the last 10 snaps. Wow. So, it's a shame the 91-yard uh, touchdown pass that Jakeem dropped happened before he got whacked in the head twice because you could have blamed the internal bleeding for the yeah. uh, for that yes. heinous drop. That was painful. There was, a low, there was right a low catch that he didn't come up with. And on Twitter, I said, I actually forgive him for that on account of the internal bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of internal bleeding tonight, you know, uh, Washington football team is playing the Steelers. The funniest thing I've ever seen. And it's funny because, you know, Alex Smith didn't seem to care. But Alex Smith is bleeding gallons of blood out of yeah. his out of his ankle. And it's going to be third down. And the guy runs off the, the trainer, runs off the sideline wraps his leg in duct tape and says, all right, there you go. And Alex Smith goes back into the huddle to call the play. It's the, it was the greatest and most vile thing I've seen and, all year. And this up. with this level of medicine, how could he have possibly been in a situation where he almost lost his leg to amputation? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That, that oh, was insane. The leg, but yeah. uh, by the way, Logan Thomas is that like a really good uh, football player, but Dolphins got their own, and we're going to get into it right now, okay? And let's get into the quarterback. That first half was rough to watch, but if you think about it, he completes that pass to Jakeem. That's a pretty good first half. I love the second half. He looked, he was electric. I thought he was electric. I thought there was a lot of opportunities missed for points, but let's face it. Look at the opponent. They were absolutely no danger whatsoever to our defense, save for a bad angle by Byron Jones. Simon, your no, assessment on Jones. our quarterback. That was Brandon Jones. Oh, yeah, it was I Brandon was Jones a... that was on the outside, right? Brandon Jones. I, a... I mean, that was a zero blitz. That was a zero blitz. There's only four guys in the secondary at that point, right? And and so leverage becomes the game. Like it has to be about leverage, and Brandon Jones has to get that outside shoulder to to shut down the sideline, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 get the help from the inside that's I mean, he has to do that i mean that's what if you're if you're zero blitzing you're blitzing seven people and you've only got four people in the secondary and you got four receivers out there i mean that's what you have to do and i well thought that yeah he has but i but he was also forced into that du- i don't think that was a normal duty for him because eric rowe uh, if you recall got rowe hurt out. yeah yeah he got hurt and i think that normally in that situation on those zeros brandon jones is one of the guys coming you know, Brandon Jones is one of the dudes that lets blitzing in at the quarterback and, you know, obviously a much simpler action there. Um, what goes on in those, on those, that's what's so genius about the Dolphins defense this year with the zero blitzes is it's so hard. Think about last year, that Pittsburgh play, the, the tank play that we, we all like kind of laughed, you know, from the Jets. Think, think of <laughs> replicated. Well, the thing, and then the Jets. Yeah, right. Exactly. It, it, this is what's so hard about those zero blitzes is like getting the back four to actually play to where, you know, they get everything down and they, and they, they're playing with, you know, super discipline and, and also instinctiveness. And I mean, it's really, it's really hard. And, um, and that's, what's so cool about Miami this year that is that they've got it and they've stuck with it. You know, Brian Flores and, and Josh Boyer have stuck with the, the philosophy of going after them that way. And the back four have really done it. But in this situation, Eric Rowe would have been one of those back four. He goes out injured. So now it's Brandon Jones, a rookie. And and he lost leverage. I mean, he lost the leverage that he would have needed or they that they really needed on that play. And, you know, then then it turns into a 72-yard touchdown. Yeah, and it, and it probably cost him a shutout because, th- like I said, the Bengals were absolutely no danger whatsoever the yeah. rest of the game. It was just a matter of like, okay, get – put up a couple of touchdowns and I'd like to get a third for, for cosmetic purposes. And then let's just get out of here healthy, which wasn't the case. Although we did get off light on Eric flowers. Also breaking news on that. He should miss a week, maybe two, mm-hmm. but he should return. Atlanta Roberts, no word on that. You know how the dolphins are on those things. Uh, you never like to see a sling. Okay. Mm-hmm. Especially when they say chest injury and the guy has his arm in a sling. That doesn't look good. It never does. It look looked good. bad to me when he was coming off. Mm-hmm. It looked like either it was, 
a collarbone or like a torn pack or something like that. Like, yeah, it wasn't good. It didn't look good. It didn't look, you know, it never, it never looks good when the guy goes, goes out the way he went out, you know, mm-hmm. but back to Tua Tonga Bailoa, I, I thought he was electric in the second half. And like I said, we're talking about inches here, inches there, one misread here, one misread there. And he puts up a big number and maybe mm-hmm. possibly three touchdowns in the second half. Simon, your assessment of his play. Uh- I thought it was a really weird game overall. Uh, I thought the first half was was probably the worst first half we played all season. Maybe uh, the Broncos was worse, but that was a pretty poor first half, and I I, I didn't think he played particularly well. Uh, I thought in the second half he flipped the switch completely. He was accurate. He was everything that we kind of. I, I have to admit, in the first half, I was sitting there thinking, "Crikey, this is con- this is now concerning me. This is like you know all the stuff that he looked small. He did, he didn't look particularly confident. He looked like he was forcing throws." Um, the accuracy was way off. Second half, it was the tour that we 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 knew and loved at Alabama. Lots of tight window throws. Uh, the tight window throw to Devonte, where he was sliding down, was a great throw. The deep ball to Jakeen that we touched upon. The, mm-hmm. the great throw. That was the first half, actually. That was yeah. The, the throw to Gasicki was a yeah. I Wasn't think, it? And actually, I think I think that yeah, I maybe I think mm-hmm. that throw changed. That was the throw that changed him actually. Um, I think uh. from that point on, he was. Um, he was really good because he really slung that. Um, you know, that ball mm. traveled, what, 60 odd yards in the air. Um, yeah, that was a nice so, throw. That was a really nice throw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, the breaking contain and the great play from Gaskin when Gaskin sort of wheeled back round and, uh, mm-hmm. and caught the ball sort of 35 yards down the field. I thought he played really well. Um, I, like I say, I was worried in the first half. I thought our discipline was really poor um in the first half especially i thought our red zone offense was horrendous three chances inside the foot sort of five mm-hmm. eight yard line yeah. um we ended up kicking field goals i just thought really poor play calling um you know and it, it seemed like on the first two sets of downs it was you know dive play into the middle of the line dive play into the middle of the line um uh fade to the corner that was you know tipped or out of bounds or whatever second set dive dive fade it just was like come on let's be a bit more creative than that surely you know let's get tour on the move let's get him out of the pocket a little bit uh, i thought miles gaskin played well look at you know uh, people asked me at the weekend when i was talking about Najee harris and how i said i thought he was a better fit for the dolphins the dolphins have those travis etn type players you know i'm not saying that gaskin or ahmed are, are in his class but they're small they've got really good contact balance gaskin's contact balance is outstanding he's a strong player low center of gravity, great hands out the backfield, had a really great block to protect Tua from a defensive tackle he put on the floor and had to go, he had to, Covington had to go out the game because mm-hmm. five foot one inch Miles Gaskin knocked him on his ass. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I thought Gaskin played really, the fumble was, was, you know, disappointing, but you know, he creates, he creates a little bit of juice there. He's got some, you know, some quicks. Um, so overall in the second half, I thought very, very comfortable. I thought the offensive line looked much better when Eric Flowers went out, even though Flowers had a good season. With the rookies in there, I thought it was very interesting. So, yeah, I thought overall uh, a really good second-half performance that bailed out a very average first-half one. Chris? Yeah, I thought – so So it's important because I, I actually thought Tua turned – I thought it was really a poor – for the offense, it was a really poor – and for Tua, it was a really poor first quarter. Mm-hmm. And and there were a couple – there were, there were like uh, two possessions – in the first quarter were just, you know, it was, it was woeful. Um, at the end of the first quarter, they had a possession that they, you know, that, that they went all the way. They went basically like 75 yards um, and then got on the goal line. And, and really, if you think about it, that fourth and two, um, first off the third and three, that run play uh, run call on third and three miles Gaston Gaskin gets like one yard. It's like, but what are you doing here? What did, you know, that's, that's your third and three call on the Cincinnati three yard line. Really? Um, but you know, that that's what Simon touched on with uh, the red zone play calls, but fourth and two, they had that, that weird, you know, uh, fake field goal, whatever swing gate thing. Um, and that was going to be a touchdown. And, but the, the, the two rookie tackles forgot to declare themselves yeah, they forgot to, um, to the, to the, I mean, so, but, but that capped off what was, what should have been a 75 yard touchdown drive. If you think about it. Um, so already, I think that the offense and Tua were starting to get their shit together, even just by the end of the first quarter. 
Um, and then the second quarter, you know, there was, there was that the beginning of the second quarter was partly that drive, the 75 yard drive. And then there's like that beautiful deep ball to Jakeem Grant, which he just absolutely flubbed. I mean, it was so maddening. Um, because the, one of the cool things about that pass is, you know, there's a difference between throwing a deep ball and throwing a catchable versus, you know, there's, there's a 45 yard gain that to be had on a deep ball like that, or maybe a 50 yard gain. And then there's a 91 yard touchdown to be had, mm -hmm. you know, there, and, and that's a pretty big difference when it comes to, to plays that make the difference in the ball game. And he threw a ball that should have been a 91 yard touchdown. Um, you know, he had such a great pace on it, such a great location on it and, and great timing on it. And, and I, I, I time these passes or I, or I, or I clock these passes a lot. Um, cause I'm looking for, uh, for velocities and speed and stuff like that. And I'm very familiar with, um, the distances and how, you know, how much velocity these passes normally have. And let me just say that was a really impressive throw. Uh, by Tua Tonga Vailoa, and if he threw it any more of a, you know, any more of a moon ball, which he didn't, like he put pace on it, um, then it, the timing would have been would have been way off, and it would have been you know one of those jump ball situations, or maybe maybe you hope for interference or something like that. But it wasn't. It should have been a ninety-one yard fucking touchdown, and it, it, that's that's the sort of ball that he threw in Alabama that gave Tua Tonga Vailoa the reputation for not just throwing you know accurately but like throwing precisely like that mm -hmm. was that was his reputation out of alabama like the difference between that 45 yard game and that 90 yard touchdown that's what we're talking about with two tongue by low and this this pass was like was there this was this was like example 1a of exactly what you're talking about that and and yet the son of a gun drops it so um so I think that, you know, that drive, that should have been like a 90-yard touchdown, you know, heading into the, the second quarter. I thought they were getting it together already, basically, um, in the second quarter, even even toward the end of the first first quarter. But, you know, there, there was obviously some miscues. And one of the things that, you know, I, it's, I said it on Twitter and I talked about it in the preview, is Chan Gailey had to stop calling the games uh so differently than he did with ryan fitzpatrick hmm. and this is this is one of the things that he refused to do with Tua tonga vialoa in weeks eight nine and ten as, as well as week 11 he absolutely refused to go up tempo and if it's one thing if you have an offense that just never goes up tempo but that's not the case when ryan fitzpatrick is in there he goes up tempo all the time they're one of the top you know, seven or eight teams in the league, uh, offenses in the league for going up tempo and going no huddle when Ryan Fitzpatrick is in the game. Okay. And when Tua Tunga Vailoa was in the game for four weeks, he absolutely refused. There was like almost zero no huddle plays, almost zero up tempo work. And it got to the point where Brian Flores had to actually, and he said this, he said that the reason he made the change from Tua to Fitzpatrick was because he wanted to go up tempo against the Broncos. Like mm -hmm. that's what he wanted to do. So I'm just sitting here th thinking to myself, why don't you just call up, you know, go up tempo with Tua at quarterback. And why do you have to make a, a quarterback change to, to do that? And, and it's just for whatever reason, Chan Gailey had made the decision. He wasn't going to do that with Tua Tonga Vailoa. Wasn't going to do that with the rookie that changed this Sunday against the Bengals halftime, you know, Brian Flores lit into the team. I think, I think they talked about it on air. Um, suddenly they come out in the second half. Chan Gailey is calling no huddle and calling up tempo for Tua Tunga Vailoa. And you know what? He rewarded him as we all kind of predicted that he would, you know, it, it's, it's exactly the kind of thing that Tua excelled in at Alabama and uh, you know, going empty, going up tempo, going no huddle. Uh, these are things that fit Tua very well. And, um, and it also, you know, and it fits the offensive line because the offensive line is still, you know, has rookies on it for Christ's sakes. And it's like three rookies on there. And, um, and, you know, it fits the offensive line going up tempo because it takes the wind out of the defensive front. And so suddenly 
suddenly you're not having as hard of a time in pass protection. It just fit. And for some reason, Chan Gailey was absolutely refusing to do it unless Ryan Fitzpatrick was on the field and then he'll just go nuts with it. Um, And, and that was the difference in the ball game or in at least from the first half to the second half uh, when, when Chan Gailey finally decided to go up temple and no huddle and, and called lots of empty and stuff like that. And, um, and quite frankly, Tua was better at that stuff than Ryan Fitzpatrick has been this year. And I, I say that advisedly. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was fabulous in that second half. Although I will say this, you were talking about that third down call early in the game at the goal line where he handed it off to. Yeah, that could have been an RPO, right? Yeah, um, I looked at that play several times and I'm pretty certain it was an RPO just because of the the action on, on the backside. And if you look at Adam Shaheen, he's clearly trying to release out into the flat, you know? And then you see Lynn Bowden on the inside. He's trying to disengage to run across. So it looks like those guys were thinking about, you know what? I got to get out there in case that mm-hmm. Tua kept it. I got to get out into my route. So I think that was an RPO, you mm-hmm. know. But otherwise, yeah, I'm, I, was, I was over the moon, really, really fabulous. I, maybe the Cardinals game I was more excited because I really felt like he, he was carrying the team in the fourth quarter. But I was very happy with what I saw. It was just a couple of missed opportunities, man. He gets those opportunities, and he puts up a big number, and everybody's celebrating him today. Enough for the Bengals. Let's talk about some results. There was two terrible results, really. If you, if you like doing those, uh, you know, those playoff predictor things, there was two results that were a little damaging. The Dolphins still control their own fate. They, they actually improved a little bit because now they're at fifty-one percent, according to Mister Kornacki on NBC he was actually fabulous last night on Sunday night football and he was he's worth every penny I don't know what they're paying him to do that but he was really good at it I don't know if you saw it Simon did you see it I did I did yeah Yeah, he's doing it every week now I did to the end of the season he was good but there was two results and we're going to talk about it now and well we'll talk about a third and an infamous third but how surprised were you Simon with that Cleveland Tennessee game and then the Houston Colts game but take oh, yeah. the take the Cleveland Tennessee game first. What was that? Hugely surprised. Although it's it's a very flawed season. It's there's a lot of really flawed teams playing. There, there doesn't seem to be one outstanding team. I know that the, the Steelers are eleven and zero, but it's currently fourteen ten against a, a four and seven Washington team. You know the Chiefs look really good, but they're flawed as well. They've got flaws on defense. Um, you know so. Look around the league. The Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is in an MVP race with, with Patrick Mahomes, and yet the Packers, who have lost what two games, maybe three, you know, defensively they've got issues as well. You kind of feel like on any given Sunday, any team could pretty much beat any other team, um, and that's what's going to make the playoffs so interesting, so exciting. And and Cleveland managed to put it all together. You know, they were the paper tigers of the NFL to this point. You look at who they've beaten. You know, they're beating a lot of teams in the uh, in they're the still NFC. they're nine and three and they're minus I mean there's they're plus fifteen in point differential. <laughs> yeah, it's um well it's no bizarre. minus fifteen. They're minus fifteen. How is that possible? I don't know how that's possible. I guess you get killed yeah. a lot in those three losses, right? What they did really well was yeah, they lost 38-6, 38-7, and 16-6 to the Ravens, there you Steelers, go. and Raiders, respectively. Um, look at the way I just pulled that out of the air, by the way. Yeah. Um I'm like Steve Kornacki, except English, <laughs> and I don't wear chinos. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? Um, I, I, lo- I like the way they, you know, they had a plan for Derek Henry, and it worked. You know, wrap him up, tackle him. Uh, you know, the Titans are an interesting team. I think they could, you know, I could quite easily see them beating the Chiefs an hour ahead. I could quite easily see them getting blown out in the first round of the playoffs. Um, it's very interesting, but. Yeah, and the Houston game, I wasn't surprised. India are a good team. I think, you know, if you can if you can limit Philip Rivers' mistakes, they're getting good good yardage out of Jonathan Taylor, good mileage out of Jonathan Taylor. Now defense is, defense is playing well. DeForest Buckler not back, but when Buckler's back, you know, Grover Stewart, Danico Autry playing really well inside. Darius Leonard, obviously, they're a really good team. Frank Reich's a great coach, and you only have to see what's happening in Philadelphia, the disaster there, and, and see how it coincided with Frank Reich leaving to kind of work out where the strength of that Eagles team was in terms of that offensive play calling and stuff. Although so, Deshaun um, Watson getting down to the five-yard line with a chance to win it and then them fumbling there. I thought the game was yeah. over. I was looking at him like, hey, we're going to get one result at least in our favor. And then, of course, he fumbled. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Would you rather the higher draft pick or the – because the, I'd mm. rather the higher draft pick. 
I want to make the playoffs. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of full I'm full I'm fully in on the season that way. So yeah, I kind of would like I, I want to take the tech, you know we control our own destiny anyway. I I, I think the um I think the Raiders winning was a massive massive blow for us a massive blow. Um, on so many levels, actually, the Trevor Lawrence level is one, but also the, you know, I think our percentage of, of getting to the playoffs would have been significantly higher had the Raiders lost that game. Yeah, uh, and then no, you've got, the, you got the Patriots, you've got the Patriots sniffing around as well, you know, which is never pretty. Um, you know, I thought it was astonishing that, I mean, what they won by what, 45 nothing? I think James, yeah, their, yes. leading rush, their leading rush had three yards. And Justin Herbert um, had hit the, the least accurate game of any quarterback in the NFL this season. Cam Newton had sixty-five. Cam Newton had sixty-five yards passing, uh, and James White had three yards rushing, and they won by forty-five points. It was astonishing. That is that is an that's an insane result. Um, so yeah, that makes the Patriots. That makes me nervous, especially when you think they could have, they probably should have beaten the Chiefs in Arrowhead if Cam Newton hadn't had COVID and had to set up the game. They should have beaten Buffalo when Newton fumbled at the end when they were driving in to win it. Um, you know, you turn those two results around. I don't think the Patriots are out. You know, if they get into the playoffs, that, that's not a team you want to meet in the first round or the second round of the playoffs. Well, we're going to meet them in the pre-playoffs, basically. We are. I mean, that's the last I mean, month pre- of the season for us. It's pre-playoffs you know. now. I mean, we've got four playoff games now if we want to get into yeah. the playoffs. You know, I was talking to some friends this morning. They were saying, you know, I, I could expect the Dolphins to, to lose every game. He said, but I could also expect the Dolphins to go three and one and maybe even four and oh. It's such yeah. a wacky season. You know, I think mm. we'll play really well against the Chiefs on Sunday. I think it'll be tight. I think it'll be close. I don't think it'll be a blowout. Um, I just think we match up pretty well. Uh, I think the, the running game is probably the one thing that really hurts us, the lack thereof. Um, mm. You know, I could see us beating the Raiders. The Patriots will be interesting because Belichick will always have a plan for a rookie quarterback, but then the Patriots don't always play very well in Miami. So that should be that should be very interesting. And then on the road in Buffalo, final game of the season. You know, I think if the Dolphins can go two and two, we can make the playoffs. I think one and three, we're we're screwed. But two and two I agree completely. Gives you hope. So, but that that brings up the question that I wanted to ask. Um, you know, what do we think on this? And and that's okay. We're eight and four now. We're through three quarters of the season. And um, we've been here twice. We've been in this position since the Clinton administration. We've been in this in this position twice. <laughs> this is the third time. Um, so in the last, that's that's terrible. In the last twenty years, we've been here. Like um, this is the third time. So we were here in two thousand eight, or we were in this position in two thousand eight. We were in this position in twenty sixteen. As awful as Adam Gase is, just just imagine that we actually went to the playoffs with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, where do you where do you put us? Where do you put us relative to those two teams? Because those two teams, it was like, um, you know, I, I think there was a bit of healthy skepticism that we were going to do anything in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, yeah. sure enough, we didn't. I mean, we were we were really escorted out of the playoffs with prejudice in both cases. Yeah. I would say significantly less talent, significantly better coaching. And I think that was on, that's been an evidence pretty much every game this season. And I think it was no more in evidence yesterday when we went into the locker room down seven, three after probably our worst first half performance, certainly our worst first half performance in discipline. We came around, turned it around to a completely different team. And that is on coaching. That is on Brian Flores. And that is why I think that the Dolphins would stand a better chance because the coaching is significantly better. You go back and look at those two teams. I think the talent level on the roster was so much better those previous two occasions. But I just think the coaching is just, you know, getting close to otherworldly in terms of the, the way that it's turned around mm-hmm. for the Dolphins. And you look at, you know, whether it's Gerald Alexander in the secondary, whether it's Steve Marshall on the offensive line, whether it's Danny Crossman at, uh, on special teams, you know, whether it's Josh Boyer, whether it's whoever. I think the coaching across the board has generally been outstanding. Yeah, I thought the 2008, the 2008 team had a great running game, an MVP caliber quarterback because he finished second in the voting, and a defense that was really good against the pass, one of the top, the top defenses against the pass. They just happened to run into a clone of themselves in the playoffs in the Ravens, a better version of themselves, and they lost. But they could have they could have drawn another matchup and maybe gone a couple rounds in the playoffs that year. The 2016 was team was just falling apart at the end of the year through injuries. They played that Pittsburgh game first of all without their quarterback. 
that got him into that position. But Mm -hmm. also, if you remember, there was a couple of spots on the offensive line that were injured. Everybody, uh, everybody had knickknacks and certain injuries here or there. They were missing a cornerback, if you remember. So because Xavier Howard got pressed into action. Remember, at that time, he he never started. So, yeah, and he actually got a pick, by the way, in that playoff game, too. So we should have seen it coming. So Remember, they were driving. They were they were driving, and then Matt Moore, you know, to tie it up, Matt Moore got destroyed on that Drimber, and that just yeah, turned it into a laugh for the rest of the way. This team actually has some some qualities that you would associate with some success in the playoffs. You know, they're they're really good against the pass. They get after the passer. They have a good defense, and they don't turn the ball over. Although lately, you know, our running backs can't stop t- turning it over. But you got to feel that. You have a quarterback that actually takes care of the ball. And I and yes, our rookie quarterback actually does take care of the ball, hasn't thrown a pick yet. So if if he gets better and he starts playing more efficient football, yeah, they could be a really dangerous opponent in the first round, depending on who they draw, you know. Like if they have to go to Arrowhead, you know, come on. You know, let's be realistic about things. Yeah, right. But if they have to go to Tennessee, like would you be floored if they beat the Titans? No, I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't be floored if they beat the Titans in the first round. You know, would you be floored if they beat the Bills in the first round? No, you know, we've seen Josh Allen in the playoffs and he tends to do some very weird things from time to time. Maybe he picks our game to do some weird things and we take advantage of it. So, yeah, but even then I fall into the trap. I I was being I was asked this question the other day about the 2018 to 2016 team and this one. And I said, well, the 2016 team, because I remember Jay Ajayi, Rand Tannehill, Devontae Parker, you know, he's on both teams, Kenny Stills, Jarvis Landry. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? Yeah, that 2016 team had a much better offense. So, you know, that 2016 team probably has a better offense. This one has a better defense. This one's a better team. So I'll take this one, but that team had a better offense. Well, guess what? This offense is going to score more points than that 2016 team. Yeah. So, you know, where are we really? You know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't know what you think, Chris. I think I think one 2018 a little bit more of a paper tiger um, in my belief than uh, than some people consider it because I remember that season. We went through a stretch of the season where we we played. It was something like eight straight bad or you know at best middling teams like um and and we were really good at taking care of business against bad teams. I mean, you could almost, you could plot whether the, the win or loss was coming based on whether that team, the team we were facing was like, you know, bottom, bottom 16 in the league or top 16 in the league. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. And, um, and so when we got into the playoffs against good teams, I think we were escorted out and we kind of deserved to be. Um, in 2016, I think it is like you say, uh, the the consistency was so far off that if we didn't enter into the 2016, you know, with the right circumstances, um, home and stuff like that, then then it wasn't it wasn't going to last. And because the consistency, I mean, you brought up the point that this team, this offense is going to score more than that 2016 offense even though you kind of remember it as the 2016 offense as being better. And I think the one of the reasons there is, is just the consistency of, of that, of that offense. Like we had some individual brilliant games, but you know, as that character of that team, the Adam Gase teams always poor starts, you know, and, and it's really hard to control the flow of a game. If you start out as poorly as they, they used to, this team actually has a top defense, maybe top three in the league, at least, um, you know, they've beaten some good teams this year. They beat the Rams, you know, they, um, and how they beat that, them. <laughs> yeah. And how they beat them. I mean, if you look at, and, and look at the character of the team, they start, they start well, they start well, and that's important. Um, they, they control the flow of games. Uh, the only thing they don't really do is run the ball. And, and in today's NFL, it's like, not, that's not, that's not what it used to be, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it, it kind of, it's easy to, to look at this team and be like, oh gosh, this is like the, the formula for doing really well. I think this reminds me actually of like, of 2004 of Ben Roethlisberger's rookie year with the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
and uh and i account for a two of tongue of ialoa and that and that formula as well i mean there's there's that defense and that's what you're relying on um but on offense you know it's mistake free it's um you know high high efficiency uh football on offense they didn't ask a whole lot for from ben roethlisberger back then and uh, i think he only had like 20 attempts a game or something like that and um and that's kind of what what we're aiming for i think a little bit with tua tonga vailoa though the fans and you know, we want it to open up more, but the only real difference is they had the Jerome Bettis and Deuce Staley running attack and we, <laughs> whoever the guy is this week, that's basically <laughs> our running attack. Yes. Um, so, you know, it, it could be somebody, by the time we get into the playoffs, it could be, you know, somebody that we don't, haven't even thought of somebody whose name we haven't even heard. I mean, that's, that's the, um, that's the bottom line. Uh, so that's the big difference, but you know, how important is that nowadays? I actually think that this is, this is a better team than either one of those playoff teams. That's my opinion. Um, I think that all the way through from coaching, even, even to talent, mm. um, I, I, in my honest, honestly, that I'm speaking, honestly, I think that this is a better team. Uh, so I would, I would not be surprised that they did make some noise, especially if um, they continue on the path that we started to see in the second half against the Bengals with respect to Chan Gailey calling the up-tempo and, um, and, and to a tongue of Iowa really starting to, you know, flourish in, in with that. Hmm. Yeah. So no, you want, you wanted to ask me something about Chan Gailey, you said before this yes show. uh just just real quick i, I kind of promised some people that i'd talk about it but um but i want to know what you you guys think the fans want his head clearly <laughs> and the fans always want the coordinator's head but um it seems like but uh the fans you you listen to them you think that this is the second coming of kippy brown um <laughs> you know do you think do you think chan gailey is our offensive coordinator next year i guess full stop like alf what do you think no, because of age, I think. I think he was brought in here to install a system, and maybe his successor is already here. Who knows? Yeah. You know? uh, but I think that he was brought in here for a specific reason. You don't go get somebody out of retirement just to do, you know, to, to do this job going forward. And mm-hmm. you knew you were going to draft a, a top-five quarterback. Everybody knew that you were going to take a f- top-five quarterback. So I think they brought him in to install a system, and like, you know, help it along. And then they were going to, you know, bring somebody up under him. I don't know who that guy's going to be, but it can be because, you know, Chang system is really adaptable, really. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, you know, I, I, I don't think he'll be here, but it won't be because, oh, he's terrible. Get him out of here. No, it's probably age. He probably wants to go back into retirement. I think he did this as a favor. Maybe he's friends with Brian Flores. He's friends with somebody in the organization and decided, you know what? I'm going to do this favor. And it might be fun to coach to a tongue of Iowa for season. Yeah. Simon, do you think he's here next year? Not sure, Chris, to be honest, I, I wouldn't be surprised either way. I think um, I, I, I don't buy the, I think people who complain about, uh, about Chang Gailey just don't really know what they're talking about. Don't really know mm-hmm. what they're listening. I think we live in a bit of an echo chamber and we're all prisoners of the moment and one or two bad plays. And it seems to be Chang Gailey's fault, not anybody else's. And I just find that a little bit um, redundant. Really? Yeah, play calling. Play calling. Twitter is the worst Twitter anywhere. You, yeah, you I mean, can he, add I, I, all the Twitters. That's the worst one. I didn't agree with his red zone offense, mm-hmm. uh, as I said earlier. But generally, I think throughout the season he's called really good games. He's been innovative, interesting plays. He's made use of Malcolm Perry, Lynn Bowden, Darren Smythe, Adam mm-hmm. Shaheed. You know, he's had to work with. Let's be honest, free agent. And, you know, late round draft pick running backs and the running game hasn't been atrocious. You know, you're looking at who, who would who would say that Miles Gaskin say and Savion Ahmed and Dwayne Washington would be our three running backs along with Matt Breeder. I mean, they're getting good, decent enough traction out of the running game. I am. Um, I think Changeli's coaching a pretty decent season. And I, like I said, I just think generally the vast majority of fans don't really understand football, don't really understand situational football. Don't we know? And if that is you, it's absolutely fine. I mean, football's football. Who doesn't enjoy just turning something on and watching for what it is? You don't have to understand the nuance, the ins and outs, and and those sorts of things. But you know, I I just think sitting there and criticizing him is just not correct. 
Yeah, I actually I agree with both of you actually. Um, and I I'm not I'm not the play calling second guesser kind of guy. Uh, to be honest, I, I remember before the season there was a I remember hearing that Brian Flores kind of warned some of the the press local press guys and like if you're gonna if you're gonna be all about second guessing play calling then we're gonna get you in a film room and you're gonna explain exactly mm. what you would have called and exactly why and uh and convince me and convince me that uh that you could have done it under time management situation too um and and i i can i know for a fact that i can do none of those things so um yes. so i so I, I will not be the that guy on the other hand um i do i do think that they're going to have a mutual parting ways uh in the off season and i think that there are a couple of breadcrumbs really to follow. I think one Alf, you hit on it. He's kind of old. Like what was, what was your aim when you brought him in? Uh, you brought him out of retirement to, to set something up. Like, was he really going to be here just on an ongoing basis or is he, or is, was this always going to be temporary? I think that's, that's an issue, but the other issue that's kind of coming up right now that I've touched on a couple of times is this thing with the tempo. I'm kind of sensing a little bit, of a thing here between Brian Flores and Chan Gailey with respect to the tempo, because, you know, Brian Flores, you know, he seems to be very much into his corner, right? Um, I, I think that if anybody is into his corner, uh, it's Brian Flores and he really wants, I mean, he's been meeting with him and having private film sessions with him every Tuesday since, you know, since, since to a guy here, basically. Um, and, and I kind of sense a little bit of a, of a split with respect to Tua and Fitzpatrick because Chan Gailey has been with Fitzpatrick for like six years now. This is, this is the sixth season. The last six seasons that Gailey's been calling plays has been for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And he even comes right out in the press conference and starts talking about how Ryan Fitzpatrick can run the offense better than Tua Tungavailoa um, mm -hmm. and how, you know, it's not, and how Tua is not close to that yet. I mean, it's a, it, he, he tried to, you know, he tried to do it um, as nicely as he could, but I kind of, I kind of wondered if something like that would, would feel like how Brian Flores would feel hearing that, because it almost sounds like you're saying that the head coach is starting the guy. That's not the best, you know, option to win the game. Mm -hmm. And that, that feeds into the quarterback controversy thing. Cause I know for a fact, there are guys that catch passes from those quarterbacks that are, that were thinking along the lines of, you know, I, I want Ryan Fitzpatrick in there because that'll, that'll help me catch more passes, you know, or that he's, he's more ready to win and, and so on and so forth. So um, I don't, I don't know if Brian Flores and, and it could be just a thing where Chan Gailey is, you know, he's too old. He's too old to pretend about shit. So maybe, maybe it's just, you know, he's, you know, he's just going to say what he thinks and, and stuff like that. And he's, he's going to do what he thinks. But I think the tempo thing, you, you kept hearing Brian Flores say tempo, tempo. I want more tempo. Like he benched to a tongue of Vilo for tempo during the game. In the first half of the, the, the Cincinnati game, you could see him motioning on the sideline tempo. I want more tempo. And Chan Gailey was refusing to give it to him. And, yeah, and, uh, and by the way, I've never time, seen, I've never seen Brian Flores actively like, throw his hands up and throw yeah. a fit on the sideline after a play call. But that third down, that was an RPO, which I believe it was an RPO after they handed it off and he didn't score. You saw Brian Flores on the sideline. He was free. He was generally freaking out and you could tell yeah. that he was completely freaking out when he called, when he asked to Danny Crossman to call that, that yeah. weird swinging gate, swinging play. gate thing or whatever the, you know, F it is, <laughs> which by the way, might be our best goal or might be our best <laughs> short yardage uh, package. Um, but anyway, because yeah, yeah, Matt so scored I, untouched, he did. I, I think there's a thing. I think there there might be a thing brewing here. Um, you know that I would watch for going forward, uh, and and that's I, I think it has to do with this, and I think it has to do with Gailey. Kind of, you know, he he likes. I'm sure he does really like to a tongue Vilo and think he has a future. But I'm sure he also thinks that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the best quarterback to win them games right now. And I think he calls games kind of that way. And um, I think that Flores might be feeling at this point, like it's pulling teeth to try and get um, to try and get the, the style of offense that he wants with, with his preferred quarterback on the field. And, um, and I would, I would kind of watch that going forward. And here's the one key that I would also watch or that, that I would also point to is George Godsey, who is a Brian Flores guy. I mean, mm -hmm. when Godsey was hired, 
uh, he admitted that ever since he left New England, Flores, and, and he talked on the phone like literally every day for years. So, um, so he's, he's a Brian Flores guy when Robbie Brown, who is the Chan Gailey guy came on with Gailey and, you know, uh, was a quarterback for Gailey. Um, he's the quarterback's coach. He went out with COVID George Godsey took over, took over those duties while Robbie Brown couldn't be part of the game with COVID. And you saw Godsey huddling with Tua, um, you know, in between series on the sidelines. Well, Brown is back. Okay. Brown has been back or is back and has been back. Godsey's still the guy huddling with Tua on the sidelines uh, um, and acting as the, the quarterback's coach. And I think, I think that might be something to keep an eye on there. I wonder if that's a little bit of a tell, like uh, a Flores guy kind of mm-hmm. getting more involved in that stuff. And, and it kind of might be a tell that we're on, we're, we're kind of um, on route on route for a little split. Yeah, uh, and, in the off season, and it'll be a healthy one, I believe, because if, if you've been watching them yeah. on the sideline, mutual, you know, you know, it's a mutual thing. It's you know, and and I've said it before on the Twitter account, and I think I've said it on this podcast before. Like, if you're getting a guy like Changeli, like he's not going to be here through to his rookie deal. Like, you know what? He's going to be 77 years old calling plays up up there. No, he's not going to do that. <laughs> Washington have just tied it up with Pittsburgh in the fourth quarter. Very nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> Because I also got I Washington him. plus seven. That's very, very nice for me. Oh, boy. All right. You know Chan Gailey, by the way, like his age? Like, do you know what his actual age is? 142. I'm going to hope he's, go a, ahead he's only He's only 68. Four. He's only 68. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he's only... Like, can you believe that? I don't believe that. Exactly. Like, Can I just 68? say, uh, give you a tour stat? Go ahead. No quarterback in NFL history, certainly in Super Bowl era NFL history, has gone with no interceptions in their first six games. If he can avoid really? an interception against the Chiefs, he will be the first quarterback in Super Bowl era history to have avoided a pick in his first six games. Oh, that's a tough ask because the Chiefs are going to lay some points on us. We're going to be trying to oh, come man. back. Well, that's good. That, yeah, that's going to be too bad because he's going to throw for like 460 yards and five touchdowns. So he's going to have to he's throw also, at least one interception. And, and six he's also, interceptions. He's also <laughs> one of four quarterbacks in, in, in Super Bowl era history to go four and one their first five games with a quarterback rating of 95 or better in all of those games. Can yeah, there was a guy on Twitter today talking four? about this kid is absolutely awful. And of course, he was a Herbert fan. And I'm saying, yeah, man, you know, four and one, 99 quarterback rating, and he mm-hmm. hasn't thrown a pick, and that's awful. Like, then Who sign me up for awful forever, okay? Who the is- other ones were Dan Marino and Ben Roethlisberger, and who was the third one? Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Very, very good com- company. Extremely good company. Yeah. All right, that's it. The next time that we talk to you, we're going to be talking about a big game. It's been a while. I don't remember the last time we talked about an actual big game, a game with stakes, a game that most of the nation might care about, but we will the next time we talk to you. But till just then, two, two quick shout-outs before we go. One to Mike Gesicki, who had a stunning game, and that Absolutely. catch was one of the best catches I've seen in a long time. And also to this Dolphins draft class, you look at Tua, mm. you look at uh, Austin Jackson, both of whom have played really well. You know, Noah's had his moments. I know he struggled a little bit, but he's had his moments and recovered two fumbles on Sunday in special teams fumbles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Hunt's Robert Hunt's playing really well. Raekwon Davis is going under the radar as you know, he's playing brilliantly the last four or five mm-hmm. weeks. Brandon Jones is playing well. Solomon Kindley's been superb all season. I mean, literally the first what's that first six, seven, first seven picks. Mm-hmm. Malcolm Perry's contributed. Um Blake Jason Ferguson. Strobridge is now four weeks in a row active. So yeah. So Blake something's Ferguson, coming up on him. We've not had a we've not had a snap problem, a kick, a punt, mm-hmm. anything like that. I can't think of a that's pretty much that's everybody we drafted. And, and every single player, and then Lynn Bowden, who we traded for, and, who was a Lynn Bowden, every single player has contributed, played well, done their and both Jackson and Igbenogane. Noah is the youngest player in the league. I think Austin Jackson is, is the third youngest player in the league. Um, yeah, hell of a draft class, hell of a draft class. So yeah, let's keep it ticking on. I just want hell to of a sure good player those. development too. Hundred um, percent, mm-hmm. and that's coaching yeah. yet again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and let's let you know. Let's not cut 
you know, Chris Greer and Reggie McKenzie, if I, I think he had some, th- some hand in it, but they're free agency. Like they rolled, they rolled sevens up and down free agency, except for the running backs, of course, but, yeah. but come on, man. Byron Jones, Calvanoi, oh, Emmanuel, Ogba. Shaq Lawson, Ogba. Jesus, you know, that, like that's, yeah. that's a pretty good run of free agents and pulling Eric Zach, Flowers pulling Zach good. Sealer out of nowhere. Yes. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you know, you know, Chris Greer has a lot to be proud of, and now he has a lot of ammunition in the offseason to make a pretty decent team even better. But they can we can add a couple of, you know, you add a Devonta Smith to that mix, you add a Najee Harris, you add a big run stuffing defensive tackle. You know, this team is not going to be too far away. No, mm-hmm. no, right there knocking on the door, but they get to measure themselves next next week. Okay, and we will talk about it on the next three yards per carry, which will be a big game edition. The first one in ages, maybe. I don't remember. I don't. I don't think we've ever. Have we ever done a big game edition of three <laughs> no. yards per carry? No, right? <laughs> no. no I don't think we have. It's I been three we years. Been. We've been three years doing this show. So, has there been a big game in three years? No, right? There's not, not been a meaningful game in the second half of the season since we've been doing it. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well. There will be this week. We will see you then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.